Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Ten keys to overcoming fear. Now, we talked about nine ways last time. Those nine ways are in really, uh, I guess, about four scriptures that we went through. And today I, won't, I will not review those nine ways that we went over. But what I do want to do is to try to teach you how to do this thing because it's very important. Fear will come. Anxiety will come. Uh, concern about things, and you get overly concerned and get worried about things, that's going to come. How do you handle those things? And I believe that on that card it has everything you would need to fight against those tendencies to worry, whether it be about exams, whether it be about your future, whether it be about uh, finances, whether it be about your children, your parents, your grandparents, or whatever it is, you will be able to handle that. And one of the keys is to renew your mind. We need to renew our mind according to this word of God. You're going to have to put this word of God in your heart. So we're going to go to the 10th one, and we'll go from there, because I believe that we need to fight. We're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight. And the 10th one helps us. That 10th one is called the shield of faith. It says that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, and verse 17 tells us that the shield of faith will quench every all fiery dots of the wicked one. So I don't care what the enemy tries to do, you can quench those with the shield of faith. Now, before we do any, go any further, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go there. And I'm going to deviate from my notes that you have, Emily. Uh, so just Go along with me there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Everyone, a lot of people know this particular verse, but I want to start off with that verse and then go somewhere else. It says, now faith is, and when we talk about faith, I've said many times that faith really is trusting in God. That's what faith is. Trusting in God. It's trusting in what God has said. It's trusting in the one who created you. Many people have faith in faith. They have faith in situations. They have faith in people. They have faith in achievements. They have faith in uh, gifts. They have faith in a lot of things, but they don't have faith in God. And one of the worst things that happen to Christians is to have faith in faith. So they try to, uh, try to work up the faith. And you can't work up trust in God. You're going to have to develop that trust in God. You're going to have to keep, in, keep increasing your faith. So it says now faith is a, a persuasion, that conviction you have. Now it is the assurance of those things hoped for and the evidence of those things not seen, and that means that you don't see faith. Anything that you see, can't, you can't have faith for it. You can't have hope for that you see either. So if you see a chair, 
if you see a stage, if you see the communion table, if you see me, you are not in faith for that because you see it. Faith is the substance of those things hoped for and the evidence of those things not seen. So you have to have, you have, to have some evidence of something that you don't see. And so if you had a title deed to an automobile and somebody said, hey, here's a, here's a title to my car, it's yours. You can have it. I'm going to sign it over to you. And you get a, a, a certified person uh, to, to certify this, this thing, this transaction. You get a lawyer to transact, uh, to, to certify this thing. Now, you say, it's yours. You, don't, you, don't, you haven't seen the automobile yet. You just, you just have the title deed to it. If you have the title deed and it is certified, it's real, you have that automobile, whether you see it or not. Would you agree with that? You have it. Just like anybody who has a mortgage on a home, you say, uh, so do you own your home? Oh, yes, I own my own home. No, you don't. You don't own it until the bank send you their title. When they send you that title, then you own it. From that, if, they, if you don't have it, you can't produce it, you don't own that home. Try missing payments. Miss about 10 or 15 payments in a row. And, and, and see whether you own that home. No, no. The bank owns that home because you don't have the title to that home. That is what we're talking about when we're talking about faith. Faith is the evidence of those things not seen. So you have to believe that God is who he said he is. And you remember that's the first one on that card is you have to know the greatness of your God. And so if you know the greatness of your God, you can trust him and anything he says, since he's the creator of all things, everything you see was put into existence by that which is not seen. Because if you look around at each other, we can see each other, but all of us came into being by something that was not in existence. God just created it. He created Adam, is that correct? He fashioned Eve. He did that. He built Eve. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a man and a woman said, well, hmm, this is something right here. Let me make it better. No, it's just he created it. So, therefore, he created uh, the reproductive system, and he said, well, hey, we, from now on, I want you to go out and be fruitful and multiply. Well, he put all that into existence. That's why we're here today, because of that. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about faith. We're not talking about faith and faith. We're talking about trusting in a God that's a great God, that's an awesome God. That's why we said that you have to know in Romans uh, uh, 11.33 where it says, you know, oh, how infinite, how infinite are the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I mean, it is that way. How unsearchable are his, are his judgments, his ways past finding out. So when we know scripture, we can fight with that scripture, fight with it. Now, let's go to another area. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because I, I think that sometimes we have a now mentality. When I say a now mentality... Is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 1. 
A now mentality means that we're thinking of the now, we're thinking of the present, we're thinking of what's going on at this particular time, and God doesn't want us to think on just what is happening now because if, if you're thinking of what's happening now, you will get worried. You will get in anxiety. You will get in fear because a lot of things are happening all over the world. But we're supposed to be thinking on that which is far off. We're supposed to be thinking of not this heavenly home. That's why the, the children's ministry is called Sojourners. We are aliens here. Our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. And so we know that. Verse 1. Does any of you, when he is a case against his neighbor, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more matters in this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? God is telling us through Paul's letter to the Corinthians that it's more at stake than just this little life here. You don't know who you are. We are royalty. We are king's kids. If, king, if, if Jesus is king, is Jesus king? If Jesus is king, we are his body. We are children of God. We are royalty, and that means that we are going to, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Christ seated, Jesus say, seated at the right hand of the Father. We don't know who we are, and we allow the enemy and circumstances to just mess us up. See, because I know that there are things going to go on after this life that we may think we're going to be flying around with wings, with harps in our hands and playing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, it's some stuff that's going to be going on in heaven that we need to, to prepare for. We need to train for eternity. That's what we need to do. Train for eternity. Turn with me to Revelation. Uh, let's go to probably. We go to 20 and then we'll go to 21 maybe. Now, in verse 11 of Revelations 20, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead and the great, the great and the small standing before the throne, and books were opened, and, upon, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. 
according to their deeds. When do these deeds take place? On earth. We will be judged by what's happened on earth, whether we are saved or unsaved, whether we are saint or whether we are sinner. We're going to be judged. Everybody's going to stand before the judgment, judgment seat of God, and we're going to have to answer for the things that's done in this body, the word that God says in another place. Everybody's going to have to stand. That means that what we do here is very important to eternity. And the sea gave up the dead, verse 13, which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now we know that we're talking about the the ones who are not yet saved, who weren't saved at that time when they, they died. Verse two, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So that means this earth is gone. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. So we're excited about this earth. We're excited about the things of this world. We can forget it. That's why when, when uh, Satan said, I'm going to take you on the, on the top here, and I'm going to show you all the kingdoms of the earth and all this glory. I'll give you this if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. No, it's written that worship God and him only. He knew the word of God. He's fighting with the word of God. Then it says, and I saw the holy city, in verse 2, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Woohoo! Hey, yes, yes. And the first things have passed away. So we can't put our hearts on the first thing. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these things are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Him who overcomes will inherit these things. Overcomes. Overcome. Oh, overcome. What can we overcome? I gave you ten things. How to overcome ten keys to overcoming fear. We need to overcome fear. You can't be fearful. Can't be fearful. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, come on, the cowardly, the cowardly, uh, if you look up the, 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 the Greek word, is talking about the timid and the fearful. The timid and the fearful. He said, but the fearful and the unbelieving, who are the unbelieving? 
They're denying God and reject the truth. What is truth? What is truth? That word is truth. The word of God is truth. Those who reject God, who reject the truth, who are fearful, it says, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral persons, and the world is pronouns like a pornography, like fornicators, one who practices sexual immorality, and sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Though it's okay to tell a white lie, just a little white lie, because you don't want to help people feeling so yourself, tell a little white lie. Right? But all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Aren't we glad we not have to do that? <laughs> let, 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 let's look at a little further. Verse 22. I saw no temple in it. Talking about, it's talking about the city, New Jerusalem. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illuminated it, and his lamp is the lamp. The nations will walk. Oh, I thought, I thought everybody was flying around with little wings, with hawks. Oh, the scripture says the nations. What do you mean nations? We're talking about, oh, do we have nations now? Yeah, we got nations now. Is it going to be nations then? Ooh. So the nations will walk by its light. So if you have a nation, it's got to be people of the nation. So there are going to be a lot of people walking in the light of the glory of God. And the kings of the earth, the kings, I thought we were flying around with hawks. I mean, I thought everybody's going to be the same. When you go to heaven, everybody's going to be the same. I thought. Didn't you think that? The scripture says they're going to be kings. If there's king, if there are kings, there's got to be a kingdom. If there are kings, there's got to be subjects. Would you agree with that? Oh. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. It says... The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there is no night there. Its gates will never close, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abominations and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So that means there are going to be people walking in and out of the city. I think God, through the apostles and through the writers of the, 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 the Bible, what God used, because the Bible is God breathed, wants us to know that there are things that are going to be going on that you need to be practicing for. We need to be practicing for eternity because it's not going to be what you think it is. 
what you do here, what I do here on this earth counts. It counts. And it counts towards eternity. Everything I say, everything I do, every place I go, it counts. So therefore, when he says faith is very important to him because it says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please God. Impossible. So we know we want, we, we want to be in faith. He told his disciples, look, we're going to the other side. That's in Mark chapter, chapter 4. We're going to the other side. Let's turn to it. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Verse 35. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, what does it say? Did it say, let us go to the middle and sink? Did you say that? Didn't say that? Who, who is talking? Jesus. The words that God speaks are very important. They are true. Whatever he says, it will come to pass. He wants you to believe what he says. That's what he wants to believe. If he says, let us go to the other side, I don't care what circumstances come up. I don't care what anybody else say. We are going to the other side. Will you believe me? That's all he's saying. Will you believe me? Without, whatever I tell you, will you believe me? That's faith. That's faith. Because that's trust in what he said. Because you trust in him, who he is. So, leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat. Just as he was, that's a whole different unpacking there. We'll keep going, though. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. I mean, fierce, fierce, fierce. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. When a boat fills up with water, it does not float any longer. I've been in a boat, and I know that you don't want it to fill up with water. The Titanic knows that. Okay. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We're dying. The boat's filling up. We are. Fishermen, we're used to this, this type of thing. We know what, what, we know what we're talking about. We are passionate. Don't you care? Wake up. Wake up. What's wrong with you? Wake up. Help us. Now, it would have been great if he said, oh, man, I'm so glad. I'm so tired. You know, I'm so sleepy. I'm glad you woke me up, man, because I would have died. He didn't say that. He said, why are you afraid? They forgot one of the keys. To overcoming fear. Why are you afraid? That's what he said. Why are you afraid? That's the first thing he's going to address, fear. You must overcome fear. Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no trust in me? Do you still not believe me? When I said, let's go to the other side, what's wrong? Another case Let's go over to 
chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, let's go there, verse 22. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus, he came and, and sent him, he fell at his feet, and he implored him earnestly, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. The synagogue official knew that Jesus was capable of doing that. Then he says, and he went off with him. So where was he going with him? Was he going to a funeral? Was he going to lay hands on him, what, what the man asked for? That he was going to lay hands on him. Then, in the meantime, you know, Jesus is going to be set to go do what he's supposed to do. But in the meantime, he didn't know. They didn't know. But, of course, he knew, but they didn't know that here's this woman who had an issue of blood for all these years. She's already thinking, man, if I can just touch the hem of his gum, if I can just get to him. I know that I'm not supposed to be out among this crowd with my impurity. I know I'm not supposed to do that. But I guess I, I just got to get healed because I spent everything, all that I have. I spent all my, uh, what is it, 401K? I spent all my savings, everything I have. My, my, everything, my pinch, I feel, I, I don't have anything else. I got to touch him. If I can just get to him, if I can just get to him. That's what she does. See, after hearing, verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched the cloak. So she's hearing about him. Yeah, I heard about Jesus. Are you all going to tell people about Jesus? Yeah, tell people about Jesus. So when they get into the bottom of their situation, they say, hey, I remember that somebody told me about Jesus. I mean, if I can just, if I can just get to some place, if I can go, just go to a church, one around the corner, if I can just get there, maybe I can meet Jesus. It says, for she thought, if I can just touch the, his garments, I would get, get well. I'm not going to teach you on that. I'm going to just keep going. Immediately the flow of her blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her flesh. Immediately, Jesus perceived in himself, and this is awesome, that power, the power proceeding from him had gone forth. Can you believe that? Here's all these people all around him, and he perceives power going out from him. How many times have we been walking and perceived power going out from us? Turn around in the crowd and say, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing on you. And you say, who touched me? Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus is mine, but the rest of us in there. (laughs) And he looked around because he ignored them. They didn't didn't understand. Did they understand? They didn't understand, see. They didn't understand. So he, he looks around to see the woman who had, who had done this. But the woman, fearing and, and trembling, aware of what, he had, had, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your doubt, is that what it said? Your what? Your faith. Has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. 
while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue officials saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Anymore. Why trouble him? You know, let him go about his business. Your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. That's natural, isn't it? That's natural. But you remember, who's the resurrection? Jesus is the res- resurrection. Okay, so then it says, but Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, come on, ten keys to overcoming fear. Don't be afraid. You, you, have to, you have to understand, you can't be in fear. You can't be in fear if we're, going, if we're thinking about our eternal destination and what God has for us. We are training for this eternal destination. We want to be the type that we have mastered faith in, in our creator. We have mastered that. So when we get there, we don't have to go through that lessons again. How many of you are going to put a child over something and you know they don't have the wisdom to know anything? You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. And I believe it's that way now. It'll be that way with us. We're going to have to learn the lessons Jesus is trying to teach us and trying to teach, he's trying to teach them. He's trying to teach us. That's one of the biggest lessons that we'll ever learn. Trust in Jesus. Whatever he says, his mother said, what's those two words? Do it. Do it. She knew he'd tell you something silly. I know my son. I know we, he's been around uh, growing up, and I know it, that we don't have wine. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Just do it. Fill the water pops up with water. What does that have to do with wine? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't we question God? Don't we trust it? We, we, we question the Bible. Well, he said this. He, just do it. Come on. Just do it. Teenagers, come on. Young adults, don't. Go, no, 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 it's not good. Huh? Just do it. We try to teach them that, don't we, parents? We try to teach them that. Oh, I want you to do this. Why we, I, Just do it. <laughs> just do it. We try to teach them. So, do not be afraid any longer. Then the next two words, only believe. Oh, it's so important. And so when it went, the people were all doing all this kind of stuff when they got to the house. Why make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleep. Verse 40. They began laughing at him. But putting them all out, it took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was, taking the child by the hand. He said to her, he said to her, Talitha, whom, which is translated means little girl, I said to you, get up. The girl get up? Yeah. She got up and began to walk, and she was about 12 years old. He's the resurrection. Don't fear. Be 
you in Christ. If you're here today and God's been telling you to do something, you know it's in the Word of God, you, you, your parents might have been telling you something, uh, children, or whatever the situation may be, you know, you know, you know that you know that you know that what's right, but you don't want to do it. Because you don't understand, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Why does, he, God, why does God want me to do this? Why does he make it so hard on us? He knows this. He knows this. He knows how we are. He knows that we have these, these tendencies. He knows. He understands. We got all these answers. The day is the day that you just give up and say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And whatever he says, I'm going to just do it. Because it's not about this life anyway. Because this life going to pass away. You remember it? We're talking about another life. We're talking about on that day when we stand before him. We're talking about going in and out of New Jerusalem. We're talking about having learned on this earth how to live in eternity. What eternity is all about. It's about achieving things that already have been put before us. We have passed those tests. We have done it. We have the T-shirt. We, 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 we are there. And the biggest thing we're going to have to overcome is unbelief. Because that's what the, what the Bible says. It's so sin that so easily beset us. And most people say, most theologians say it's unbelief. And you notice the truth is unbelief. Unbelief will keep us out of faith. Because the opposite of unbelief is belief. And belief is having faith in God. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.